Welcome to Rework the Quirk. In this episode, we'll be discussing routines and habits and also the rise of creators. So to get onto it, let's does anyone have any interesting things they saw that during the lockdown or COVID that uh, with regards to routines or habits? Yeah, Alan, um, I find that starting this podcast, it's been quite... Uh quite challenging i've been trying to create routines and habits around it you know editing um getting your scripting getting information corrected it's quite overwhelming i find that it's a lot of information and i'm trying to break it down into like chunk size just so that i get into the habits of of doing oh just the routines actually of doing this and hopefully it becomes a habit later on but it's it's getting overwhelming so i'm struggling to you know do this podcast but you gotta appreciate the people that do do it they do put in a lot of work and i've decided to you know follow other creators youtube youtubers tiktoks instagrammers just to see how you know what routines they do and just to see how they started and it's quite interesting you see where they started it it wasn't perfect you see a lot of uh, i guess errors and uh, mistakes but the growing up they've done these habits and routines where they've been able to produce a professional podcast a perfect example is i guess joe rogan's podcast we all know him as that slick he's got that nice studio he's got friends it's all perfect but if you i do encourage our listeners if to look at his first episode it it was it looked like he done it in his spare room um his titles would come out um it had like funny snowflakes so he wasn't that perfect he actually quoted himself going um when he went into it he just did it for fun he had no idea what he was doing and I guess he's gone into these routine uh routines and habits and he's built it up and he's created this uh massive podcast empire he, he only did it for fun but now it's 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 gone crazy because of his persistence and he's um evolving constantly throughout I guess his whole podcast career so he's learned a lot and he's improved a lot so it's quite um, I think yeah quite interesting and it's something that I we can definitely look forward to so I do encourage people to like you know follow follow your favorite Instagrammers uh, creators whatever it may be from the start and see you know the effort and routines and habits they'll put in and see how they've involved into I guess the superstar they are today yeah really good point ben um and on that note i want to share a story uh, from last year so last year i did my first podcast and uh, you know i i believe a lot of people have this dream of starting something of their own their own venture maybe it, it's a new hobby or a new um, you know youtube channel or whatever but very few people take the first step it's mostly procrastination which is holding them back and even if they take the first step i feel 80 of 80% of them do not see it through and that does require a lot of discipline to keep on going and only with discipline you can build the right habits so i think it's the that's the core uh, requirement if you want to develop any positive habit that you keep at it um and one thing that i'm really proud of uh, myself last year was making that podcast and seeing it through the end 
and you know one one of the techniques that i did or i did with my team was to put in this some time on my calendar so that I, it's a constant reminder that i have to re- repeat that habit so it doesn't happen for the first few times or but once you have it consistently in your calendar there's no way to escape it right so that is something we used and that helped us create three seasons of 12 episodes each which is a big achievement uh, in my books and uh, one more thing which i feel is really helpful uh, when you want to start a new habit is to make it fun uh, like use a habit that you already doing and add it at the new activity you want to do at the end of that habit so uh, for example we uh, i was catching up with my friends on regular basis because of covid on video calls and then we i was really enjoying the conversations we were having and the topics we were discussing and that evolved into us recording those conversation and that became our podcast so that was such a fun and a natural evolution of the podcast and how it came into being and i think this follows that advice that if you want to go fast you can go alone uh, with anything but if you want to go far you have to work in a team and you go together so i really enjoy the the exp- sharing the experience of creating something new with others and it's a much more fulfilling uh, experience at the end so these are some t- tips uh, any listener who is listening to this podcast can use when they want to start their own venture so very interesting things that you guys brought up then and certainly with the successful podcasts out there they they have a very long tenure they've been going for quite some time and you know i think that having done a few episodes now or recorded some there is there are significant routines and habits that come out from what what i've already learned and you know some of those things include you know making time for us to be able to record um the show to be consistent to like you know we we've we've learnt um you know a whole bunch of different apps um we've made templates to improve our workflow and to to stay on track um so you mentioned you know collaboration so that we we can go far together or certainly we do that and that's great um we we self educate um every time that the there's a new topic and we go and research it and then you know, we let we let our listeners know exactly what we found and i do hope that um people out there find value in that um and you know i think that with with a lot of the successful podcasters like ben mentioned it in the in the beginning perhaps joe rogan wasn't as polished but you know he learnt along the way and i think that one of the habits that i see a lot of successful podcasters follow is that they request a lot of feedback from from our audience so you know i think that from today's episode onwards certainly provide your feedback if you think that we can improve anywhere um with that with our particular podcast as we go along this this journey as well cool thanks alan i think um very interestingly we spoke about how you know to do this podcast to really start this podcast we actually developed or are developing a lot of routines and habits and i sort of want to talk a bit about what i've done a bit of research on what is a routine versus what is a habit and it's actually really interesting what the difference is um so a habit essentially works by your body or your mind generating impulse to do a behavior with little or no conscious thought so think about things like you know washing your hands after you go to the bathroom putting your seatbelt on or, you know locking your front door as you leave the 
the house or your apartment. It's things that you actually instinctively do and you don't really have to put that much thought into how to do it. The difference with the routine is actually though that with a routine, you actually need to concentrate. You need to put deliberate effort um, and extended effort into that activity. And it's sort of like, it's defined as a sequence of actions that are regularly followed. Um, one thing that does differentiate a routine and a habit, something to think about, is whether you feel a sense of uncomfortability if you don't do it. And if you do feel that sense of uncomfortability, then it's probably a habit. So think about you know going to your car, if you don't put your seatbelt on, you feel a bit uncomfortable, right? So that's actually a habit. While if you're doing a routine, say um, you're doing meditation every morning and you don't do it, you may feel un- un- you, know, you may feel that sense of uncomfortability, but you also may not because you may just be relaxing or you know re- um, not doing it that day. One more thing to talk about is actually the difference between a routine and a ritual, and that's being the attitude behind the action. So actually, um, this definition of a ritual is actually like, it's like a routine, but it's actually that there's more meaning behind it. So while routines are actions that just need to be done, such as making your bed, taking a shower, etc., a ritual is actually more meaningful to you and gives you a real sense of purpose or sort of positive influence into your life. An example of these is something as simple as, you know, shaking someone's hand when you meet them. It's like introducing yourself. It feels good to do that celebrating a birthday or a wedding you know you're celebrating someone else or even those daily things that you do yourself like you know um, meditation or um, buying something for yourself that does make you feel good like on a daily basis like getting a coffee right you could say that's a ritual thanks for the literal definition brendan uh i feel these three are really interesting but i like ritual the most because i feel ritual provide a sense of commu- uh, connection in a community and this is the time of navratri growing on uh, so happy navratri to everyone who's listening and there are like countless festivals in india and the best part i love, love about festivals apart from it being a holiday is it provides it's bring people it brings people together and children feel that they're connected to their family uh, a lot and they are also connected to the past culture so i like the it's it's like a stable something which is going to repeat every year so it provides that kind of stability amongst the chaos we are living in so i feel not just for me but i when i was younger uh, and a lot of other kids like they were very proud to understand the culture and to understand the stories behind these ritual and the traditions that we follow so i remember every uh, during every diwali uh, i used to visit my grandmother's place and all my cousins used to come over and those were the most cherished memories of my childhood i feel apart from the social and rich, uh, social and cultural rituals uh, we all need as you said a personal ritual to maintain our sanity i've heard this story about this guy who used to visit a different country every year uh, no matter what's going on his personal or a professional life that was one thing which was constant in his life and that provided a lot of uh, meaning to him and uh, and a lot of stability also so his like either he went through a divorce or he uh, you know got married or got a promotion or uh, his company made losses it didn't matter to him because that one thing was constant so we definitely need that stability in this uncertain world i know un- under these times that we're living in uh, traveling everywhere is not possible Hopefully it is possible soon here in Melbourne. So fingers crossed. Uh, 
but the the beauty is that we have the locus of control within ourselves we can create new rituals to provide us that sanity uh, for me it's playing badminton once a week and i feel that is the most uh, like me time throughout the day where i am you know that's the something which holds a lot of meaning and if if that is going well everything else is going well the, especially the way covid has changed societal r- rituals um like you know in addition to missing out on some of the most important rituals in our society such as weddings and funerals we're also missing out on the smaller rituals like shaking hands and i read that back in the day shaking hands was a way people developed trust in one another because it meant that they couldn't draw their sword from the scabbard which indicated that you both came in peace um i th- i think the important thing to note there is the psychological element where the intention is to show that both of you can be trusted that we can be close enough to each other to touch and nobody's going to get killed so th- the tension that's created due to the handshake being prohibited during covid i think was made even worse when health experts advised that they don't think we should ever shake hands ever again and that we should break that custom so and, and what and whilst that may sound uh terrible like the the good news is is that it's not really the handshake itself that matters but the ability to communicate that you care about someone else that and that you trust them that counts i think so maybe this need of trust was the impetus for people using a whole bunch of different alternatives to the handshake during covid and i believe the official standard right now is the elbow bump i'm not too sure but it it, it kind of makes sense to be honest because there's less surface area for you, for contact you're covered by long sleeves and you can't touch your own face with your elbow so during covid it it makes sense but look i'm not entirely convinced that that's the best considering we have so many other alternatives out there like you know simply waving there's or you can do namaste which you know you you press your hands together in prayer over your heart and bow there's also the finger guns you you've got the jazz hands or or like you know you can even do like a a star trek or a vulcan salute if you're that way inclined you know look i'm not too sure what will be the popular choice post covid but i think that as long as you're not carrying around a sword in a scabbard like you should be okay with any of the other options i mentioned so yep even finger guns i want to bring back and ask a question since we're talking about habits and routine and rituals do you guys have any morning or evening routines i feel routines are really important part of a day and who we are so do you guys have anything which is constant I've got one stars. It might sound a bit crazy, but I like to make my bed in the morning. Um I feel like I've achieved a little s- a small goal. So it's easy you just do it and then I feel like I could be more productive. I've achieved that small goal. I can, you know, produce start producing rolling on to bigger things. It it feels good and knowing that your bed's all made, come back to it, it's all clean. I actually got the tip from this book that i read so it's from the powers of habit from charles dickens um yeah he he believes it does correlate to pr- productivity a sense of you know well-being stronger skills 
at sticking to, you know, a budget. Because, like, when you wake up, you know, if you don't make your bed, you don't feel like, you know, you're disciplined. Um, and it, it, it has, it's, it's worked wonders, actually. Yeah, I just feel like I've done that little small goal and then I can just do other things as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. And you know what? You are a lucky fellow because studies have shown that most successful people in different domains have a morning routine. And since you have this morning routine, which gives you the first hit of dopamine in the morning, that's a very good thing. So there is a brilliant book. Uh, it's called The Mor- Morning Miracle. And there is an acronym give- given in that uh, book. It's called SAVERS, S-A-V-E-R-S. And it stands for Silence, Affirmation, Visualization, exercise, reading, and scribbling. And we should definitely add making bed into it as well. But those are re- really good things that I follow in my day. Like I, uh, when I get up, there's few time for myself uh, to be silent. Then I get into my meditation practice, which is uh, a combination of visualization and affirmations. And I definitely want to exercise more in the morning, but I guess someone else in the podcast does that. So it's fine. And then the reading and scribbling, journaling is a very good uh, like way to start my day. Uh, but apart from morning rituals, I, I feel what a lot of people neglect is the importance of winding down and importance of having a evening ritual as well. So the rest and recuperation you need to be charged up for the next day's activity is really important and we should not ignore it. So some examples of evening rituals would be to talk to your friends and family, to have a meal together, take a warm bath, uh, drink some herbal tea, go for a walk. And that's the way you can relax and, you know, uh, rejuvenate yourself for the next day's activity. So... These are some takeaways I feel a lot of people should do if they want to be as highly effective as uh, Ben. Yeah, no, perfect. Sorry, I think that's really interesting because I definitely also, for example, I go for a walk every morning just to clear my mind and get a good start to the day. Um, But one thing that I've realized during COVID is that personally, there are many routines that I don't actually enjoy, but I do them because I know they do good. So for example, some small exercise routines that I do every morning, um, having a shower in the afternoon. Um, I know that you know I do them because they help in some way in my life. But I actually think that you know during COVID, I've started to realize that we need to be a bit more caring to ourselves, and maybe that we can actually make the decision to forego a routine once or twice or however many times to actually make you you know not always have to do it and to get you out of that habit. And sometimes you just need that rest right? It's okay to be tired, you know, pushing yourself to do a routine every day for months or years can also add some sort of mental tiredness to yourself. Um, So just make sure that, you know, our listeners, if you do have a routine, just make sure that you do keep thinking whether, you know, you want to be doing it, whether you do want to take a break from it um, and get that rest when you need it. I think that's a good point. Um, You know, being able to take a break, but um, also, you, you know, all this talk about habits and routines is is great. But there, there is also another important element that needs to be pointed out, though, in order to make these routines and habits effective, and that is how to make them stick and uh, or how you can stick to them. And I'm sure that some of our listeners could describe a time in their lives when they had the best of intentions to start a new habit, like go to the gym or start a new diet, but then give up on it maybe three to four weeks later. Um, Well, 
In his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear outlined four steps that can help in sticking to your new habit. And they are start with an incredibly small habit or to put that another way, make the new habit so easy that you don't need any motivation to do it. So let's say that you want to be able to do 50 push-ups. Instead of trying to do 50 right from the very beginning, maybe start by just doing five. It's, it's, it's about doing the smallest amount in order not to trigger any psychological resistance, I think would be a good way to put that. So, and the second one is increase your habit in very small ways. So getting better takes time in anything that you do. So instead of trying to be perfect from day one, aim to improve like 1% every day. So what you'll find is that you become, the better that you become at it, the more motivated you'll be. And this will make it easier for you to stick to the new habit. And number three, James Clear says, as you build up, Break habits into chunks. And what this means is that a 1% increase per day may not seem like much in the beginning, but it will quickly increase as more time progresses. So you might find that you lose momentum along the way because sticking to a 1% gain might be too much. So in that case, you should split up the goal into reasonable chunks so that you can keep up the momentum. So it might be easier to split up the goal of 50 push-ups into five sets of 10, for instance. And the tip four was when you slip, get back on track quickly. So even like even the best of us, even pro athletes make mistakes and fall off the, the path, so to speak. But the important part is to get back on as soon as possible. And one standard that I use is if I miss a habit for one day, I make sure that I pick it up the next day and ensure that I don't have two or more days off. And that's really that's that's worked really well for me. The fifth tip that James Clear outlines is be patient and stick to a pace you can sustain. So just like Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't able to bench press 350 pounds in his first month of training, it's unlikely that you'll be able to do something similar. So the key is just sticking to it, which means keeping a reasonable pace and making gains slowly. Or you might suffer an injury and end up back at square one, for instance. Yeah, really interesting, Alan. I've got a bit of a complementary view to what you were saying in the atomic habits. But um, I think for me, the important thing is that we actually continually reevaluate you know, the routines that we do do. And make sure that they continue to align with, you know, where we are in our lives and what our goals are. Like one of the things that I find for myself is that I set a routine. I keep doing it for, you know, a very extended period of time. And then I realize that, why am I still doing this? And it doesn't really still align with my motivations and goals as life changes so often. So from my perspective, one of the most important things when it comes to routines is to understand and be constantly aware of your own motivations and goals and make sure that you change your routines based on your changing goals and your life circumstances. Um, I've got a really personal sort of example of this. I joined the gym recently. Uh, I was going to the gym probably four times a week doing classes, um, but I actually joined the gym to help motivate a friend to actually get a bit more healthy. Uh, We joined together. We actually went to a lot of classes together and we built a routine of going, as I said, like three to four times a week. Um, But now that he's improved his health, 
I actually find that I'm not as motivated to go and my goal is actually no longer there, right? So I need to reevaluate now whether I'll continue going. I'm not sure yet. COVID, you know, has changed a lot. Um, but it's sort of that sort of consideration and making sure I'm self-aware of my goals and motivations um, to make sure that I don't do routines that, you know, I don't need to be doing or that, you know, aren't aligned to my own goal. Really good point, Bryn. I want to touch on one more aspect of building a habit or I should say stopping bad habits. I'm We definitely talked about how do we build up positive habits, but it's also important to get over some addictive or uh, bad habits that are negatively contributing in our life. So I, being an engineer, I like to break things down and evaluate it from a mechanical point of view. So there are four laws or four methods of creating a good habit or breaking up bad habit so to make a good habit the first thing is the cue which is to make it as obvious as possible like if you want to uh, play uh, guitar every day put it right in front of your living room where you can see it every day and you you have a trigger to pick that object up the second is craving and this is really important um, i started playing the violin and after a week i was not motivated to do it as much so uh, the thing i realized is before I bought the violin, I was way craving it a, a lot more. Like I really wanted to buy it and play it. But after a while, it went away. So to form that habit or make it consistent, I had to definitely sit down and visualize myself playing violin so that I develop that craving of doing it. And that is the second law. The third one is make it easy. So rather than me attempting a really difficult piece on the violin, uh, I would start with something which is in my skill level where I could do it and achieve get the sense of achievement that I've done it so make it uh, easy for you and don't try to overdo yourself don't do be a don't be an overachiever in that regard as as uh, Alan mentioned and the fourth one is reward like make it satisfying like make it that you feel good after doing it and make give yourself a tiny reward if you have to after completing a habit so if you follow these four things it will make that good habit stick at the same time, there are you can use the same method to break it. Uh, so if you want to uh, stop smoking, for example, uh, keep it away from you. Keep, uh, try to don't keep any uh, thing in your visual field where you can, again, crave it. Uh, make it unattractive. Make it so that it's, uh, there's, this, uh, there's this test called the, uh, the ice, the ice class test like if you uh, if you want to really buy something on the internet put your phone in a ice i don't know how they do it but put it in a in a plastic bag put it in, inside a, gla- a glass of uh, water and keep it in the freezer and once it's frozen like if you want to really buy it you take it out and wait for the ice to melt and if you still want to buy it then you buy it so make it hard for you and unattractive for you so you don't get it and as the third one also follows, make it as difficult as you can. Like if you know that uh, like you are addicted to eating a lot of junk food, uh, don't buy it at the first instance. And if you want to buy it, you know that you have to walk a certain amount or go to the store to buy it. So it's difficult to get satisfied. And by the time the craving would pass. And the fourth one is make it unsatisfying. Like just associate some bad habits, like sorry, just associate some bad outcomes with the habits you are doing it. So just make it so that you're not feeling good about it and slowly it will pass. So these are the four ways you can either build a good habit and make it stick or 
stop a bad habit and break them so that was a uh, interesting discussion following this discussion i want to talk about something which is very le- relevant in the society today like uh, we since we started this podcast a lot of other people have also started their own ventures and i have seen this habit uh, right now that uh, a lot of people uh, or a lot of youngsters are trying their own ventures and there is a like a movement towards this gig economy so i think we are living in the time where liberty is the spirit of the time and freedom is what everybody craves and the way they are expressing it is uh, by starting their own things uh, such as youtube tiktok or whatever to uh, express themselves more like our ancestors were the ones who worked for survival and for basic necessities our parents worked for status and providing us that lifestyle and our generation is all about self actualization and self expression and uh, the latest study shows that in australia there's a nine times increase in people who are working in the gig economy from 2015 to 2019 it's a 6.3 billion industry right now and last in like 2019 alone there was a 32% increase so and this is mostly coming from the demographics between 25 to 35 years old uh, where people are craving autonomy and flexibility so that's definitely a change uh, we are seeing in in the society right now it's interesting because there are some people or that choice actually to be productive in this lockdown it got me asking why some people react in one way and some people behave in another uh, whether it be positive or negative so in other words what is the psychological underpinning as to why people react in different ways to the same stimulus right because the stimulus being covid and i think one of the ways that helps explain the rise of people choosing to pursue a side hustle or a creative venture during covid lockdown is is known as cognitive reframing and essentially cognitive reframing is the notion that our thoughts about our experiences drive our emotions our actions and outcomes so if if we have a negative thought about a situation then these will lead to negative outcomes but conversely to that if we have positive thoughts then we will have positive outcomes so lockdowns are like undoubtedly negative however i believe that people used cognitive reframing to view them as a positive situation where they could finally pursue that side hustle or creative venture that they've always wanted so in other words instead of viewing the lockdown as highly traumatic it, it can be viewed or, or it has been viewed as as you've discussed sir as as a challenge to be heroically overcome or like you know it, and and the way that a lot of people have chosen to overcome that is is a creative venture Yeah, talking about the rise of creators, I read an interesting article in the Australian News that there's been a rise of businesses and startups during the pandemic. I thought that was a bit strange, especially during these times. So, the stat that I've got here it says um, in the June quarter alone, the numbers of business rose by one point four percent, with three thousand thirty four thousand created businesses and startups. So, there's been a 
of rise. So I think people are, are, you know, at home, they're in lockdown, they've got spare time, they're working from home or, you know, they're thinking of new career options. So they're starting to tackle other businesses and it's a great time to, you know, uh, since you're working from home, you, you may have being sacked from your job you might look for another career something more safe uh and it's it's quite interesting i've read uh all these cool businesses that people are starting up and even these these startups we know that with the popularity of zoom uh party house during the pandemic these apps have increased i find that it's quite interesting another interesting startup that i've been uh, following is you know how you make I guess doctor's appointments and you can have that uh, sort of like zoom meeting for uh, your medical appointments now and we never had that prior to the pandemic and now people can call up their doctors and they can get their prescriptions um, sent to them where I guess the doctor can set if you if you if, if you've been prescribed this in the past they can send the prescriptions to the pharmacist and the, and then you can just get your medication there. So we've actually kind of grown these businesses. And um, even with restaurants where um, I've noticed when um, we were able to go out, you can actually sign into the QR code and you can get the menu at the restaurant and then you can just pay sort of like online instead of getting the waiter to get you the menu and then... Um, you going and paying your credit card. So the pandemic has increased, you know, people's ability to, you know, do side ventures, side hustles, start up really cool startups. So I think we're evolving in that way. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. I think it's funny because um, I definitely have been one of those, what, 34,000 that have created a ABN in the last, you know, year and a half with COVID. Um, and yeah, you spoke a lot about time. Right, so it's actually something that was quite a obstacle for me when I um, had to travel to work. You know, spend an hour on the train in the morning, an hour on train in the afternoon. Um, quite an obstacle to actually get a small business started. So I've actually started doing some manufacturing of physical sort of gaming accessories um, since the COVID time started, and I've had a bit more time to myself, both you know, in the mornings and the afternoons after work. One of the really interesting things, though, is that. I think to your point that you just spoke about, Ben, it's actually become increasingly easy for people to actually start small businesses as well. So I've got friends who have gone and created makeup, you know, worked with factories in Australia to actually create makeup um, and brand it themselves and then sell it online. I've got friends who make candles themselves. So buy the wax, you know, buy the scents, buy the oils, and then actually make the candles themselves. And for me, with the game accessories, it's actually quite easy to, you know, work with different producers across the world, um, whether in Asia, whether in India, whether in America. And it's also really easy to market and ship and sell around the world as well. So my primary target audience is the US as well. So I think the digital sort of expansion, like you've said, the digital sort of growth has actually made the entire end-to-end process for starting a small business quite easy. And... COVID just gave everyone maybe a bit more time, as you mentioned, to actually start that passion, the business that they're passionate about. I'm really curious about why are people creating so many new businesses at this time? And 
this is a possible hypothesis so i was read, recently reading this book uh, the man search for meaning and it talks about the concept of inner freedom and external freedom so given that we are in the lockdown people feel that their external freedom is taken away so they cannot travel they cannot uh, they have to be locked in in that house and they have restrictions curfews and stuff so because of that people go to their internal freedom and their internal locus of control and the internal freedom they have is mostly about the psychological or the spiritual freedom to express themselves uh, as their own way so people and also they have this tendency towards hatred towards the external authority who are imposing these restrictions on them so th- th- that's it it is the right time uh, as as alan talked about how people take it at if you take it in the good way you can channel it into creative pursuits and create your own businesses or you can be on the other side you can express it through hateful protests and you know just express the anger so i think the people who have channeled it in the right direction are able to express themselves creatively or uh, starting new ventures are the right way to direct your energies um i feel that also because of this there's a as i was talking about initially there's a cultural movement towards individualistic sorry there was a cultural movement towards individualism there's a cultural movement towards individualist there's a cultural movement towards uh, people being more individualistic and uh, the lockdown has just accelerated that uh, movement uh, but all said and done i think this is the right time as you said you have the right factors to start your own venture and definitely opportunity favors the prepared mind so if you are spending this time learning about how to do things or actually doing things it is the right time which will open more opportunities in the future so definitely people who are channeling it into their internal freedom and are doing it through the right means are i feel it's the right way to exercise all that energy Yeah, thanks Sarah. I think it's really interesting that you talk about internal freedoms because one thing that I've really noticed during COVID, but even before COVID, was the huge rise in digital content. Um people calling themselves sort of online content creators, and this occurs not just on Facebook, but on other sites such as, you know, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and more importantly, Twitch. Um it slowly evolved. Like initially we saw people individually streaming themselves playing games. then we saw them streaming you know different parts of their lives and i think thinking about how this would work psychologically is that people would want to watch other good players of games to actually see how to play the game but also they do want to actually interact with the player as well so interact with the streamer through the chat function it gives them a sense of involvement and belonging an example of this is actually probably the most popular streamer in 2020 uh which was XQC. XQC is a Canadian streamer and he streams on the Twitch platform. He actually moved from being a professional player of the video game Overwatch to stream other games. And then he even jumped into other fads as they came along such as chess as well as opening Pokémon cards. What's more interesting though is that we're starting to actually see in the industry, the content creation, digital content creation industry, is that we're seeing that human nature started entering the streaming world. in particular the human need for interaction and a community and it's something i think we spoke about you know in our last podcast which was people want to be around people with similar interests we've now started seeing that there's things like streaming houses and streaming communities like um an example being offline tv 
And these are houses where streamers actually live together. They experience life together. They play games together. And they actually share their entire lives pretty much with their fans. We, we've seen streams where they would, you know, share them cooking, as an example. Um, we'd see streams where they share themselves playing like Mafia in real life, as well as you know, taking us on their holidays, um, as well as when they attend like concerts like Coachella. And people actually pay to watch these streamers. Um, like in, in Twitch, we um, have what's called a sub button. Do you guys know what sub stands for? subscriptions subscription alan on the point so sub actually stands for subscription and if you think about it like give me an example like when you guys were younger when we were younger in the 90s and the 80s and the 2000s what did we subscribe to magazines magazines (laughs) absolutely alan and you can see this as like the next evolution of subscribing to a magazine getting content that you actually want to watch and read and relate to, you're actually getting it through digital now, not, you know, these physical magazines. And, um, yeah, Twitch, YouTube, et cetera, they've picked up on this word subscribe, right? So you're subscribing to watch your favourite streamers um, or your favourite, you know, YouTube videos. And it's actually quite similar to, you know, subscribing to a magazine and reading it weekly or monthly. We've also seen a huge shift to um, paying for digital content. So this is essentially, again, um, viewers paying for YouTube videos or paying to watch people play games live, as an example. And you can liken this to, you know, back in the day, we used to pay for pay-per-views of wrestling. We used to buy videos or DVDs. We used to pay for Foxtel, right? It's sort of a similar sort of thing, but you're actually paying for different sorts of entertainment. This time it's a bit more personal, a bit more live. Um, And people are now investing their time to get to know their favorite streamers. So you're you're able to chat with them online. Um, And it's similar to how, you know, in the past you would do research on your favorite bands by reading magazines. Now you can actually go online, talk to them, talk to these celebrities, new age celebrities, and actually ask them questions as well. Um, Just one final thing, it's actually hugely profitable. So being a content creator can actually be an amazing sort of career. XQC, the streamer I mentioned earlier, is actually estimated to have earned approximately $1.5 million just in 2020 from streaming revenue. Oh my God. I mean, that is, it's epic. The the different type of revenue models these days, it's crazy. I mean, I I saw this game the other day and it's called Axie Infinity. I'm not too sure if, if anyone out there has, has, has played it, but it's similar to Pokemon. And, and you you acquire, you breed and train these little furry creatures and do battle with other trainers and creatures online. And during all of that, you get SLPs, or otherwise known as small love potions, which can be used to breed new axes. And then the cycle continues over and over, similar to Pokemon. Now, the main difference here is that the SLPs, or small love potions, actually double as cryptocurrencies and 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 they can be bought and sold on a crypto exchange isn't that crazy and so it's 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 reported that the top players are earning like 435 us per day and 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 the price of slps are slowly increasing as well so there's also this incentive to hold onto the SLPs as like an, a, a, a different form of investment. And, and, and 
similarly, the, the axes themselves can also be traded in an Axie marketplace as a non-fungible token or an NFT. But but it, it doesn't stop there. There's other in-game items like real estate, there's flowers, barrels, the lamps. They, they, they can all be traded as NFTs to, like with Ethereum. And so instead of like the, the older games where the in-game currency was worthless, like outside of the game itself, these newer games actually allow you to earn while you play. It's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy, Alan. This reminds me of, uh, so we're talking about, you know, create, creators being rewarded and cryptocurrencies, but there's this thing called, uh, I guess, social tokens that I've read about. So basically, if you're a creator, you can offer your own crypto tokens to your fans and to, and then you can just give them like, you know, rewards, things like what Brendan was saying. You can like have a chat to them or they can show them some material. And I think it's quite interesting where creators are finding new and innovative ways to, I guess, get that funding. So if you find, say, an artist that's not popular they and they need funding, they can always sell their social tokens and then you can, they'll buy those social tokens off the creator and the creator gets funded and hopefully i guess if these creators i guess make it big their social tokens are just gonna rise through the roof so you're kind of making sort of an investment on the cryptocurrencies on the social tokens i'll give you an example we know um sars has uh start started a kickstarter on his book i am am i ai is that correct sars yeah, that's true, Ben. Thanks a lot for that uh, shameless plug. <laughs> shameless <there>. plug, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when are you trying to get your book started? What what you could do is you can release your social tokens to people that might believe in you, and they go, "Oh, that sounds like an interesting book or concept that SARS is presenting." They buy your social tokens, and then you get funding for your books and you can reward them with little i don't know meet and greets or you give them little snippets of um i guess the book of what you're writing about and then you know once you get enough funding you release the book and if the book is successful your social tokens are gonna rise through the roof because you're that popular you know if you release more books then yeah you people the people that invested in your social tokens can get rewarded as well. So if you believe in the creator, it works both ways. So it's quite interesting on how, um, yeah, these creators are finding new ways to fund themselves. And wait, wait. So Ben, so the 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 token actually increases in value the more popular the creator becomes. Is that is that the way that works? Yeah, yeah, it, it can increase in value. So high demand for it. So the more, say, oh, they're going, oh, SARS is super popular now. The, the tokens are more popular. So, of course, they're going to increase in value. Wow. One of the actually interesting things that I've looked at as well is how influencers are also making money. And another way that they actually do it is by getting sponsorship. So similar to a sporting player, I think Roger Federer being sponsored by the great, um, you know, what's that watch brand? What's the watch brand, guys? Rolex. Rolex. And then the other one, uh, that, you know, really good sports clothes brand, the Tick, Nike. 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 
No, oh, he's, not uni- he's not Uniqlo. <laughs> well, he was Uniqlo, so we should be careful about that. But oh, as yeah. those sporting players get sponsored, these guys can also, these content creators can also get sponsored. So an example um, is this guy named Hikaru Nakamura. He's actually like originally a traditional chess player. So he literally was the top or is, I think he's still the top blitz um, chess player in the world, in, in or at least in the U.S., and during COVID, um, I don't know if you guys watched The Queen's Gambit, but there was this huge fad around chess because of this Netflix show called The Queen's Gambit. And Hikaru Nakamura actually started moving from that physical chess space to the digital chess space. And he was so popular at some point in time that he got sponsored by a company called TSM, which is a gaming sort of um, big gaming company. And um, yeah, he would have earned, you know, probably a hundred or so more thousand dollars from that sponsorship not sure how much but that's another way that these you know gamers or these content creators can actually monetize you know this this digital content creation and this digital content fad as well i think just from a psychological view the underpinning on all of this is that it's actually so easy to do it so the barrier to entry is actually so easy now i could get my webcam and I could literally get a mic and I could probably just put my webcam on uh, wherever I needed to show. And I could probably play a game and stream it live on YouTube or Twitch right now. Like it would take me five minutes probably to do that. Um, <clears throat> and this is something that just makes it so easy for anyone to really start becoming a content creator. You may not be popular on day one, you know, but you it's so easy to actually just start and get into it. And then, you know, if you can build up a... Um, audience or you can build up some sort of reputation in the industry you know there's always that possibility that you know you will can or you can monetize it by getting sponsored or you know as we spoke about before monetizing in different ways by getting subscriptions as well from your viewers this just it totally makes sense uh, since uh, we are in the lockdown and people are spending way more time on the virtual world let's say because we can't meet in the physical real world uh, and uh, that and with the virtual world provides us a lot more opportunities to you know experience things which we can't experience in our real life that gives you different pleasure experiences different adventure uh, you know experiences maybe you don't have the financial means to achieve them so i i definitely see a trend of people spending a lot more time in the virtual world and also they, they're buying now apart from virtual currencies there is people investing in virtual properties and there's like an entire different mind uh, minecraft world out there where you can buy properties buy uh, projects so everything is turning into this uh, simulated environment it looks like a futuristic idea right now but it's a big opportunity as you said um it has definitely happened with me like uh, last year i was spending so much time uh, catching up with friends virtually and playing virtual games together like among us or pokemon or whatever so i do see it as a as an opportunity and it also ties back to something we talked about earlier about the individual freedom because this is the only means people have right now to express themselves and experience that freedom so i i yeah, I see there is a trend change in uh, people who want to consume a lot of virtual stuff. And there is also a demand for, for all of this. So there's a c- complete balance between what in the world from economic sense, the supply and demand. Great. You know, it's weird. Like, I suppose we could say that the rise in creators during the lockdown is a 
phenomenon that occurred because people were reframing the situation into a positive scenario, right? But I th- what I thought was strange was that the vast options available available to us during lockdown, why did a lot of people choose a creative outlet? So what I did was I read up on this and I found that creative action was possibly a way we use to make sense of and cope with uncertainty. And it's likely that the disruption to our normal routines and habits has created opportunities for us to be more creative. And I'm not just talking about the routines and habits that you have for your kids, your friends and family, but also the fact that you now have more time on your hands to do an activity where you probably felt it it was a nice to have rather than um, you had to do it. But now, now you've got the opportunity to do that. I think there's 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 a, a number of different reasons why this could increase also. And it's possibly due to an increase in solitude. And, you know, solitude is often associated with, cre- with creativity and creative types. Um, I think that the increase in boredom could have also been a catalyst for creativity. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, as I said, I think a lot, but I think also a lot of people didn't have the time or didn't have the motivation sort of to do it before COVID and then COVID must have triggered something. So I'm not too sure whether it's uncertainty, solitude or boredom. It could be a combination of all three plus, you know, just having more time. But I definitely think those would be contributing factors to why a lot of people did move to their creative outlets during COVID. Yeah, that's a good point, Brendan. Like it's probably not just one factor, but a, a combination of multiple factors. And and one of the other interesting things that I found was the differences in creative impact between those people who were already highly creative before the lockdown and then those who weren't. And I read this study that found that those people who were highly creative before the lockdown were actually less creative during it. And and that was weird, and what what I what that suggested is that those people had already had optimal habits and routines before the lockdown, and then when the lockdown occurred or COVID occurred, then that threw their optimum routines out the window, and so they became less creative. So I thought that was strange, but they the. The research also found that the biggest increase in creativity during lockdowns actually came from those people who considered the who considered themselves less creative. And you know, th- this is a good result if you ask me, because it gives people like like myself the hope that these lockdowns can make me more creative and I can actually benefit from all this. You know, and actually, the way I see it is that we now have this opportunity to express our inner creative artist whilst also possibly making some money from it. Like, so rather than seeing the lockdowns as a burden, it might be more useful to reframe it as an opportunity to explore new ideas, engage in more creative actions, and, you know, possibly come out of it richer in the process. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> it sounds very <laughs> anti-fragile, Alan. <laughs> I know. How good, how good is that, right? How, how awesome is that? So, um you know, which which I don't think is such a bad deal after all, to be honest. And so in addition to that, if you develop good habits and routines during lockdowns, I mean, you should be able 
to continue after the lockdown is over. And, you know, ideally you'd be like this creative multimillionaire. <laughs> so, <laughs> one one can only hope, Alan. One can yeah. only hope. <laughs> 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 uh.